3: Or download your free investor's guide now at
1: BuyLegacyGold.com. That's BuyLegacyGold.com.
4: When it comes to a thriving career, everyone could use a little support, especially when it comes to transitions. At LHH, we're committed to personalized support, insights, and resources that lead to more job opportunities. No matter what role a professional has in your organization, our services offer an experience that fits each individual. And for organizations, LHH provides consultative support and guidance through the entire outplacement or career transition process. It's outplacement reimagined. Visit LHHTalent.com today all right
3: it's expected possibly before the show ends or maybe even on the conway show there will be a news conference out of texas to update everyone on the horror that occurred at an elementary school in a place called uvalde texas outside of san antonio 14 elementary school children killed one teacher killed several people in critical condition an 18 year old suitor who yes looks like he did some social media posting about his intentions Uh, We'll fill you in and see what else we can find out because there's some strange other details that have been floating around most of the day concerning some sort of a chase. And he may have crashed his car and ran into the school, barricaded himself in, but he is uh, dead as well. So if this happens during our show, we'll certainly bring it to you here on KFI.
1: James Tubbs has been in the news for months, sometimes as James, sometimes as his transgender alter ego, Hannah. Uh, Last we heard, uh, Hannah had convinced Gascon that he was a woman and ended up uh, going to a girls' juvenile detention center for a year and a half after uh, admitting uh, guilt in a sexual molestation case of a 10-year-old going back to 2014. Now it turns out that Tubbs, back when he was James, in Bakersfield in 2019, killed a man, beat him with a rock. The guy's name was Michael Clark. They were in some kind of um, ch- survivalist transient group. That indictment came down yesterday. And we're going to talk now to Shea Shay Santa. Shea was uh, handling the L.A. case as a deputy DA for Gascon. Shea, how are you?
5: I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on.
1: Um this. Uh, the, 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 what are your thoughts on the charges up up in Bakersfield? I mean, this sounds like a, a brutal killing. A, 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 a rocks, a rock to the head, beat him till he died.
5: Um. Yeah. I mean, the facts that came out yesterday in the evidence um, shows that Tubbs preys on vulnerable victims, and in this case, the victim, uh, Michael Clark, was vulnerable, and Tubbs was the leader of this group, and. Tubbs, in the early morning hours, right before sunrise, um, lured him out to the water's edge and beat him with a rock and threw his body into the Kern River.
1: Um, last time you were on with us and we talked about this case, it was still pending then uh, in Bakersfield. You intimated that uh, George Gascone either knew or should have known that this case was brewing in Bakersfield and used that as part of his decision Uh, when he gave that uh, easy sentence to Tubbs to go to the juvenile center.
5: Uh, Yes, so George Gascon could have brought Tubbs uh, and tried him as an adult, but he refused to. And Tubbs a record um, that shows he preys on vulnerable victims. He is extremely violent, manipulative, um, and he refused to even look at anything. There are... Um, emails and correspondence where the administration put on notice that Tubbs is violent and he's going to be, you know, recidivistic. He's likely to commit future violent crimes, and uh, that was not considered.
1: Uh, was there anything so, anything about specifically a Bakersfield murder incident? Was was there any hint that something terrible had happened there?
5: Uh, not, no, not on file. However, the victim did know Tubbs and was related to another crime that Tubbs uh, was arrested for. So Tubbs had assaulted this victim in the past, um, and that was part of his record, which should have been considered, but weren't allowed to consider anything like that uh, under Gascon's administration and his policies.
1: So you knew that he'd assaulted Michael Clark in the past, so when Clark ended up dead— it, it, it sh- should have been assumed that perhaps Tubbs had something to do with it since they were in that same group
5: together. Yeah. I mean, that's in Kern County, so we weren't really investigating that crime. Um, and I can't speak on Kern County's behalf, but I think that they're doing an excellent job based on uh, what I saw yesterday at the preliminary hearing.
1: It, it just seems like he was such a monster. He should have been the last guy to get this break uh and and to be given a a juvenile sentence and a juvenile girl sentence because of this questionable transgender change that he's claiming i mean all of it looks in retrospect now just preposterous
5: it was preposterous from the very beginning we pointed this out to the administration it's no surprise but it was of you know, the blanket policy um here's something that looks bad. Let's sweep it under the rug. And I was unwilling to do that. And then when it came to light, um, the Gascon administration denied it, blamed everybody else, uh, tried to silence me. And then, um, has began this retaliation process, um, against me. And thankfully Kern County stepped up and took, um, Tubbs into custody and, Gascon's also letting the media and the courts and everybody uh, go around calling Tubbs Hannah when the name Hannah wasn't even made up until months after he was in L.A. custody. We have recordings of him making up the name Hannah.
1: Oh, you have recordings as he was making up the name?
5: Yeah. Janu- between 10, 9, say 9.30 in the morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, on January 5th of 2022, um, he was making up the name Hannah. Somewhere in between that period on that day, he made up the name Hannah. And isn't it the, the McCoy, important thing here that.
3: Shay, isn't the important thing here? This is the type of person that George Gascon will let slide through the legal system, especially since Gascon's had this no exceptions policy. That, you know, he decided that because he was not even 18 at the time, oh, so what? He sexually molested a little girl, but let's treat him as a minor. His brain hasn't developed yet. This guy went on to commit many more crimes, including now it appears to be a murder. This is the danger of Gascon. He has no judgment. He's decided to go light on anyone that's under the in, under the age of 18. And, and Tubbs has proven that that policy is dangerous.
5: Yes, yes. Uh... And then he tried to walk back that policy. Uh, Gascon tried to walk back it with this board, this committee, to transfer juveniles to adults, but not one juvenile has been transferred to adults. And the right. people on the committee are the same people that tried to sabotage the Tubbs case, knowing everything that everybody knows, knowing he you know, is violent, knowing that he has sexually assaulted, admitted to at least one um, underage girl, and... They're aware of another arrest for an underage girl. Um, They know he has two strikes out of the county, out of the state, I mean, and another strike in Kern County. Um, And they just want to sweep it under the rug. And those are the people on the committee that we're supposed to trust um, to transfer violent sexual predators and murderers to adult court. The same people that are trying to silence me.
1: They're incredibly stubborn, aren't they? No, no matter how much news comes out about Tubbs, nobody comes and says, hey, we blew this one.
5: Right. And you would think they would take it seriously after they learn of all these facts or after the press comes to them with questions. But all they do is deny, retaliate, and try to sweep it under the rug. And then more facts that make them look even worse come out.
3: Well, thanks, right, Shay. Yeah. Thanks for coming on again and uh, lending your expertise to uh, to us analyzing this story. We appreciate it.
5: Yes, no problem. Thank you for having me. All
3: right. That's L.A. County Deputy District Attorney Shay Sana, One of the brave ones that goes on media to talk about his objections to his boss, the L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon. And this, of course, concerns what looks to be the worst of the worst a man that was treated lightly because he was just short of his 18th birthday after molesting a little girl, and he finds his way through the system, and now he's charged with a murder in Kern County that occurred three years ago. John and Ken Show, KFI. We'll bring you up to date at 5 o'clock on the mass shooting at a school in Texas that took the lives of 14 elementary school students and one teacher. There's a couple of other people in critical condition. The shooter is dead, Uh, and of course, it appears, put himself on social media not long before the shots were fired earlier today. Uh, The El Segundo Times finally did a story we brought you last week about how Eric Garcetti's parents have hired lobbyists to help him get the ambassadorship to India. And I thought about the story today because apparently... Biden, who's on this Asian tour, was implying that India could be responsible for the darkness uh, that is coming over the world thanks to Putin's invasion of Ukraine. India has basically remained neutral. They have not participated in the sanctions, the condemnations that uh, most of the other countries have. And, of course, India's the well, largest democracy. Well, you
1: know, it's neutral veering on siding with Russia because Russia is now offering them discount oil and uh india needs a lot of it right there are what a billion 200 million people
3: something like that you can't sell out your principles just for oil well,
1: well they did or maybe they never had them i don't know
3: yeah i don't know and that's why they're scene. walking the fine line Russia's a big trading partner right
1: so they they want the cheap oil they they've got like a once in a lifetime oil to get uh, oil at a big discount and they're helping fund russia's war in effect against ukraine
3: It made me think that it's important, maybe, that there is an ambassador in that position to try to work the Indian government into doing more about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But we don't have one because Garcetti is still dangling in the wind, so why don't you just dump him and find somebody else? No, and Biden won't cut him. No. So Gil and Suki Garcetti have hired this McGuire Woods consulting firm. They hired them in April. To help their son, one analyst in the story says it's like parents who hire some big outside consulting agency to get their kid into college.
1: Yes, that's, that's exactly right. Well, yeah. there's in the story, and I don't know if this is a subtle dig or this is just the standard way they 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 write, but it said Gil and Suki Garcetti retained McGuire Woods Consulting to help their. 51-year-old son
3: yeah pathetic <laughs> they're 80 they're 82 <laughs> so the guy's
1: 51 and he's been in politics in la here over 20 years and he actually has his mom and dad hire a lobbying agency one uh, was...
3: expert said i've never seen anything like this before it's weird uh <laughs> and then they, they talk about how the mayor's worth millions and lobbying firms have a minimum monthly retainer this is washington dc lobbying companies 10 to 15000 some can charge up to 50 grand a month well why or more and they've been they've been hired since april
1: why are they paying his lobbying bill i don't know i mean gil is 80 they were
3: probably like gil is there anything we can do anything we can do to help you we'd like to get you to india get you out of the country too <laughs> That Gilgar City. <laughs> yeah, here's that quote. Uh,
1: it's a bit like when the parents hire the most expensive coach they can find to get them to the most expensive university. That's sad. He's got no shame. I mean, it's because their dud son wasn't smart enough to cut Rick Jacobs the first time he heard or saw that uh, something gross was going on. I mean, this stuff's disgusting what he was doing. That's what. The, it's a kind of story that weirds people out. It's like, what do you mean your aide was running around forcing his mouth on other people's mouths? What are you, what are you doing here? Like, he's, he's, he's grabbing uh, people, you know, the, the cops' arms, and he's putting his hands on people's crotches. Oh. And, yeah, I mean, on what planet does Garcetti not – Especially, it also shows you he doesn't really believe the crap that he spouts – All the, the, you know, equal rights, me too, blah, blah, blah. It's just stuff to sell to the boobs. it, It doesn't personally offend him. It was happening in front of his eyes, and it didn't
3: bother him. The Garcettis put out a statement, and this is where I guess Eric got the way he speaks. We're a close family. If something happens to one of us, it happens to all of us, and everyone helps out. So we brought on a trusted advisor to help tell the truth. (laughs) <laughs> we aren't thinking about the unkind things that a critic might say. We're thinking about our family and how important it is to stand by each other, show integrity, <laughs> oh, be truthful. Oh, wow. I Jesus. mean, you raised a liar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what that's do you mean? pretty clear. How, how, uh, he actually said that,
1: that, you know, that we're showing integrity and that yes. uh, Eric Garcetti is showing integrity.
3: Boy, you talk about opposite day. You talk about... You think they believe him or they're just doing this because they want their dud son to know. continue in politics? I don't really understand people like this. I really
1: don't. I don't get political people who just spend all day shoveling uh, horse crap at people. Just just blowing a lot of gas and expecting people to fall for it. Every, everything everything is a prepackaged public relations line. Everything is some scripted comeback. some Some spun nonsense. It's really awful. It's really awful. That's the dominant communication in
3: public life now. The dominant communication is just horse crap. All right, 25 years. Well, wait a minute. 35 years, Dr. James Heap was giving gynecological examinations at UCLA. And we learned in the past couple of years that he may have been abusing many, many, many women that came to him. The payout has now reached $700 million, the largest ever related to sex abuse involving a public university. We'll talk about it next. (laughs) I just found one more
1: thing. Um, The president of the American Academy of Diplomacy, a guy named Ronald Newman, he's been an ambassador three times. He said he's never heard of someone hiring a lobbyist to become an ambassador.
3: (laughs) Yeah, one guy said it's just a Hail Mary. Yeah, They really don't know what else to do.
1: (laughs) Johnny Kencho, KFI tomorrow on Fox 11. A documentary debuts, Lost Angeles, City of Homeless. 6 o'clock tomorrow on Fox 11. And I'm in it throughout. So 6 to 7.30, uh, watch it, record it. It's on Fox 11, Lost Angeles at 6 o'clock tomorrow. And uh, also, CNN is reporting that a Texas state senator is quoting uh, the Texas Rangers law enforcement uh, claiming 18 children, two adults killed by that shooter.
3: Oh, that would be more.
1: Maybe some of the people taken to the hospital have since died.
3: Yeah, we were running at 14 students
1: most of the afternoon. uh,
3: We'll have a full rundown of the story at 5.05 and we're still waiting to see if there is going to be a press conference. It was scheduled at three, but they moved it, pushed it. So who knows, maybe they were, that might've been a development that John just mentioned that they wanted to have more complete information before they stood before the media. So we'll see if that happens before the show ends, but KFI will carry it whenever it does happen. I'm looking for a quote from, uh, I'm looking at a quote from Vince Fanaldi of Manly, Stewart, and Finaldi. We're going to get someone else on in a moment from the uh, law firm. They, of course, have represented sex abuse victims in many stories we've covered over the years, including uh, teachers and uh, priests. But this one is uh, what's been going on in the past few years, which is mind-boggling. Sexual abuse by university doctors is an epidemic in the United States. So is the proclivity of university officials to enable this abuse and attempt to cover it up because the story today is that the survivors of this uh, UCLA gynecologist oncologist James Heaps are going to receive $700 million in money because of his sex abuse. He worked for the university for nearly 35 years and uh, he was powerful. He was well-paid. I have a theory that it's because he was a real rainmaker that they probably ignored complaints. It built up to the point where they couldn't ignore them anymore, and now they're stuck with this huge payout.
1: $700 million, 515 victims represented in the lawsuit. And we're going to get Jane Riley on, and she's an attorney uh, with the law firm Manley, Stewart, and Uh Jane, welcome. How are you?
2: Good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Uh, This is a tremendous,
3: gigantic settlement. 515 people involved, Jane, in the settlement?
2: Yes, and that's actually only a fraction of the number of um, women who were subjected to this predator. What's really sad about this case is, as you mentioned at the top, he was an oncologist as well as a gynecologist, and, you know, unfortunately many of his victims passed away before they were able to ever see this day or get justice in the case. And in addition, there was a class action settlement that UCLA entered into that included you know, thousands of survivors as well. Um, so it's a great day for sexual abuse survivors everywhere. Um, settlements like this always send a message to these institutions that this behavior just can't continue.
3: 6,000 patients potentially, huh, that he's had through the years at the, in, the, in the system?
2: And it could well be in excess of that. He was a physician at the UCLA Student Health Center for many years, and he was also treating patients at Ronald Reagan Hospital in addition to his practice um, on the UCLA campus. And as you mentioned, for 35 years he was doing this.
1: I think most people listening, and maybe they've heard a little bit about this case or maybe maybe not at all, um, are, are probably dumbfounded in shock that somebody could— sexually abused hundreds or thousands of, you know, grown women for the most part. And a lot of this got reported to UCLA administrators up and down the line and that nothing came of it for 35 years. I mean, it it just just, doesn't seem like that's possible in the real world especially a world you, that is so sensitized <laughs> to sexual abuse and violence against women and all these movements that have gone on. How could this, can you, can you explain what the internal culture was that kept up, kept such a tight lid on the abuse?
2: Absolutely, And like you you mentioned on the lead in of the term rainmaker. And I think that really sums up a lot of what was happening here. He was at one point, the highest paid physician in the entire UC system and, um, He, in fact, also got into some trouble for fraudulent billing. Um, So he was making a ton of money for UCLA. And women were being referred to him at the lowest point of their lives when they got cancer diagnosis and being told they may not live. So they're coming to him in this extremely vulnerable state. And that combination of he's making the university so much money and bringing them this prestige on the one hand, and on the other hand, you have women that, are simply just fighting for their lives and are so, trusting him to give them the best medical care. So this was
1: the they money that, the money that mm-hmm. the patients and their insurance companies were paying for the medical services. Exactly. And so UCLA was reaping a huge profit off their medical issues.
2: Definitely, and, and as you mentioned, this was reported. It was reported to the medical board as far back as the late 90s, reported again to the medical board in 2014, reported to numerous UCLA administrators and um, other employees throughout the years. And, you know, this reckoning of sexual abuse, especially in the gynecological realm, before a few years ago, it just seems like people weren't taking women seriously and weren't taking these complaints seriously. Hopefully we're finally starting to enter into a culture where uh, you know, when someone speaks up about this sort of thing, something's actually done about it.
3: What do we know about all those complaints? Were there reports made? Were they ignored? Was it a combination? What do we know about the details of all these complaints that you uh, said came up over the years?
2: Some women simply never got a response one way or the other. Um, and some, they were, they were simply told, you know, we, we looked into this and basically we don't believe you. And they they took his word over theirs and and took the words of the chaperones who were protecting him. And, you know, unfortunately, everything just sort of died on the vine until finally in 2017, uh, there was a report that was taken seriously, finally, and he was um, eventually put on leave and dismissed from the the hospital. He had
1: chaperones uh, working for UCLA in the room, and they all protected him when it came time to uh, tell the story.
2: Exactly. And then oftentimes he didn't even have a chaperone in the room, which is against policy, of course, and below the standard of care.
1: Any of these administrators ever suffer any discipline? Anybody ever get fired?
2: You know that and that's a big issue in these cases is we're always pushing law enforcement to look into the administrative side. You know, that's what happened in the Michigan State case um, where officials were prosecuted. Uh, here, and it is the same thing in USC, there really hasn't been that scrutiny on the administrative level. And until you create change in that realm, you're going to continue to have bad actors infiltrating the system and using it to their advantage.
3: Can I just say this, Jane? We covered the George Tyndall story too, and I'm just putting this out there for what it's worth. This is the only time we covered a sex-abusing doctor, this would be heaps, that we actually got emails from some women who praised him. Mm-hmm. They couldn't believe the story. They didn't want to believe the story. We didn't have that with Tyndall or any other medical professional we covered who was involved in alleged sex abuse. So I, I just wonder now. He has been indicted by a grand jury, right?
2: He has, and he's actually coming up for a criminal trial um in August of this year.
3: Yeah, I just uh, just found that fascinating. But obviously he didn't sexually abuse every woman that he, you know, examined or treated. So I, I can understand that. Brilliant. But they were Yes, go ahead.
2: I I think part of it, too, is, you know, some people are so grateful to him that they and credit him for saving their lives. Again, he's treating cancer patients and you're going to have a contingent of people that, you know, either nothing happened to them, which is great. um, And or they're so grateful to him that they credit him for saving their lives that that's sort of the predominating emotion. You
1: know, we've talked uh, to members of, and we've had John Manley on many times, and Mr. Finaldi, and 20 years worth of cases, like Ken said at the beginning, with the archdiocese, with various schools. And it seems like, to some extent, it's the same story every time. Nobody cared in all these administrations. They were just afraid of getting bad publicity. But nobody actually cared about the the women, the men, the little boys, little girls, There just seems to be something in a lot of people's human nature that sexual crimes like this just doesn't register. It just doesn't get them upset.
2: And I think it's that they like you said, you don't want to you don't want to rock the boat or risk any bad publicity. But the irony of this and this has played out over and over again if you let the problem continue, even if you look at it from a completely self-interested point of view, and you've set aside the damage to the victims, which is horrific, you're going to create more problems for yourself later down the line the longer you allow this to fester. Yeah. And hopefully that's starting to get through to some of these institutions. Even if they're only looking out for their own self-interest, they can't afford to allow this to keep happening. All
3: right, Jane, thanks for talking to us. We appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for covering the story.
3: Yep, that's Jane Riley, an attorney with Manley, Stewart and Finaldi. And yeah, I thought about that same point she just made, regards to the Catholic Church and these archdioceses and the Mahonies. They just ignore this and let it fester to the point where it just blows up so big, they're gone. They're completely inundated. And uh, she made the point that maybe, maybe that will start to change when you have huge settlements. Okay, sorry
4: like to this. break in, guys, but that news conference is starting out. Of I'm Texas. not taking any questions for the investigation is not complete. This is a tragic time in our district, and we greatly appreciate your patience and understanding. Here to provide a short statement and not take any questions is our Uvalde CISD Chief of Police, Pete Arredondo. I
0: don't see Switch.
4: Would you like me to
1: do this again? Let's do this again, please. Sure. This is the text. I apologize. Shooting. I did
4: not realize we were not on, and you probably could not hear what I was saying. I am Anne Marie Espinoza, Executive Director of Communications and Marketing for Uvalde CISD. This is a tragic time in our district, so please know the investigation is not complete. We will only be sharing a statement with you, not providing questions. We greatly appreciate your patience and understanding. Here to share a statement and not take questions is our Uvalde CISD Chief of Police, Pete Adirondo.
0: Thank you. Good evening. Uh, Again briefly, as of now we are still working on this active investigation. Uh, Once we are able to provide information to the families, we will do so. First and foremost, obviously, our priorities is to get information to our families um, and and give them some information. So please bear with us in regards to that. Secondly, once we do get some information that we can release to the public, we will be doing that. So please know once we do get um, some information, we will share that with you and call another press conference. Um, Let me assure you, the intruder is deceased and we are not actively looking for another individual or any other suspects in this case. Uh, We definitely ask you all to keep the family, the families that are involved in your prayers. Thank you so much.
1: Is that
6: it?
4: Here to provide a statement and not take any questions is our superintendent, Dr. Hal Harrell.
0: Good evening. This was a tragic and senseless event today and my, my heart was broke today. Our hearts and thoughts and prayers are with all our families as th- we go through this this day and days to come. A few announcements that we need to make is beginning tomorrow at 10 a.m. We will have grief counseling and support at the Civic Center for our students, our staff, community members, anybody that needs to come uh, at that time. And we may be there more than one day; may be there several days. Our Rob staff will meet at 8 a.m. at uh, at the Civic Center as well. We'll begin with visiting with them and uh, seeing what those needs are. School will be closed, we, the school year's done. Uh, we'll have no school tomorrow or Thursday. All activities are canceled throughout the district. Uh, no graduation is on people's mind. We will come out with a, a notice on that at a later time. All the staff members, do, they will report to their campuses, uh, other than Rob campus, which will come to the, uh, the Civic Center. Again, my heart was broken today, we're a small community, and we will need your prayers to get us through this,
6: thank you.
4: Again, this is a tragic event in our community. We are very sorry that we cannot provide you more information, but greatly appreciate your patience and understanding during this very difficult time. We ask that you pray for all of the families affected, thank you. We'll be safe.
1: All right, that's the news conference from Uvalde, Texas, where a shooter walked into a school and killed 18 schoolchildren and two adults. Eventually, he was killed by the police. And uh, his name was Salvador Roma, 18 years old. Ramos Salvador is his Ramos. Name. They corrected Ramos, the yeah, name. They yeah. corrected it. Yeah. Ramos yeah. was born in North Dakota, lived in Uvalde. And uh, he shot his grandmother before heading to the school. He was in a shootout with Border Patrol agents, one of those agents injured. He barricaded himself inside the school building. And here we go. He posted photos of his guns on Instagram. And before the shooting, he he messaged one girl he vaguely knew, hinting he was planning an attack. Ramos tagged her in a photo of his guns and wrote, I got a little secret. I want to tell you, be grateful I tagged you. And she replied, no, it's just scary. I barely know you, and you tag me in a picture with some guns.
3: He supposedly was an 18-year-old student at the local high school. He shot his grandmother first. She is supposedly alive but critical. And then went to the school, opened fire, then barricaded himself in a room. He was eventually killed by responding officers. And
1: the victims were aged between 7 and 11, according to oh, CNN. man,
3: that's like... Uh, that's really young. I mean, it's A Connecticut school shooting from yeah. I think it was 2012. Is it 10 years ago already? I think yeah. it is. Yeah, Sandy Hook. Um, Where well, I think it was more than 20 were killed, but still,
1: well, it was 20 children and six staff members at Sandy Hook. Right. So this is, is 18 the, children. This is the worst shooting since then.
3: And also, uh, the worst school shooting in Texas history.
1: His social media was full of photos with guns.
3: Yeah, isn't that the way now?
1: Well, okay, I mean, again, how many times are we going to read the same story in the hours after a, a shooting? He's, he's broadcasting to the world that he's insane, and everybody just stumbles along about their day. Uh,
3: yeah, I, it's not clear how much before the shooting he was notifying people that he, or giving anybody a heads up that he was actually going to do this. Or, I mean, you just pose with guns on social media. It doesn't need are go to kill everybody. No, but I'm thinking maybe you should assume they are. Hmm. Why don't
1: we just reverse the whole dynamic? If you're constantly putting photos, putting up photos with guns, uh, yeah, maybe you ought to be taken to the mental hospital for a while. Maybe uh, maybe that's a sign. I, I don't know how many people put up guns every day just for the heck of it and don't end up in some kind of violent incident? I, I, I just wonder. kind of I don't come from gun culture. Uh, you know, I got, I got Facebook, I look at it every day. I don't see anybody posting guns. It's not my world. So maybe down in Texas it's more prevalent. But, boy. And you know what? I, too bad the girl didn't, not that this might have done anything. She called immediately the police. Of course, assuming the police responded. But you you got to have that emergency uh, attitude, I think, about this stuff. Or, or you know, in uh, 20 minutes we're going to have Joe Biden on it, and I bet you he will have a bag full of stale political cliches for the occasion.
3: Yeah, I know. Sometimes I imagine the opposite universe, where people are reporting, you know, see something, say something, and now we got thousands of people rounded up, and there's going to be screams that this is some sort of fascist society where everybody's rounded well, up and and maybe you say detained t- for months,
1: years. Maybe you say too bad. Hey, you you, you want to save these kids? Rem- remember the old phrase: if you can save just one life. Yeah, you know, just... we could save a couple of dozen at a time if we started uh, overreacting a little to these whack jobs.
3: Maybe it'd be easier just to disarm everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you got 400 million guns, so...
3: He that's... apparently brought, uh, bought these guns legally on his 18th birthday, according to State Senator Roland Gutierrez. Uh, it's Now, Rob Elementary School has 600 students enrolled... It's in Uvalde, which is the hometown of uh, actor Matthew McConaughey, who was rumored, I guess, to run for governor at one point. Uh, 60 miles east of the Mexican border, 80 miles west of San Antonio. He had a handgun and possibly a rifle when he entered the school. Now, there is still a report that's hanging out there, and it's mostly from the Daily Mail, that a pickup truck he crashed outside the school. He was involved in a gunfight with Border Patrol agents who arrived on the scene. And one of the agents was injured but is expected to survive. Now, I don't know if that's who ultimately killed him when he barricaded himself somewhere inside the school, but that may clear up what we were talking about when we first came on the air. There was some involvement by Border Patrol because we couldn't figure out what started all this and who this guy was.
1: Don McLaughlin is the mayor of He told Fox News that shots were fired off-site. And after shooting one person, the gunman ran to the school. I guess the one person was his grandmother.
3: Yes, it was supposedly alive, but uh, in critical condition. Because Uvalde, I mean, it's not right on the border, but I'm looking at a map here, and it is on the uh, western side of San Antonio, probably about halfway to the uh, Mexican border uh, on the ninety. Then uh, that would be in Del Rio. I remember talking about Del Rio. There was <clears throat> some sort of migrant situation going on in Del Rio a few years ago.
1: You know, I'm, I'm looking here, and all the political hacks. Have already come out uh, Chris Murphy is a senator from Connecticut a Democrat he goes I'm here on this floor to beg to literally get down on my hands and knees and beg my colleagues find a path forward." oh here. I grabbed
3: that audio do you want to hear it
1: yeah I want to hear it I had Ray Our kids are it.
6: living in fear every single time they set foot in the classroom because they think they're going to be next what are we doing why do you spend all this time running for the United States Senate why do you go through all the hassle of getting this job, of putting yourself in a position of authority, <laughs> if your answer is that as this slaughter increases, as our kids run for their lives, we do nothing. What are we doing?
1: Uh, why aren't you, you are all you take bribes from people who want bills passed? If That's not why you're there.
6: To solve a problem as existential as this, this isn't inevitable. These well, kids weren't unlucky. This only happens in this country and nowhere else. Nowhere else do little kids go to school thinking that they might be shot that day.
3: Well, so what do you want to do? uh, By the way, he was the congressman from the Sandy Hook area of Connecticut at the time of that shooting. He's now a U.S. Senator Chris Murphy. Okay, what Um, what
1: is what has he done the last 10 years then? Uh, Probably push
3: for all sorts of
1: yeah, gun control laws that will never pass. Gun control
3: bills, I'm sure.
1: People, uh, people aren't going to go for, for gun control. They, they, they do have a, a constitutional right, and you're not going to change that. And secondly, look at all the crime that's gone crazy. It's caused more people to buy guns, especially here in L.A., because uh, nobody wants to enforce the law and put uh, violent felons away and keep them away. Instead, we have Gascon letting them out uh, by, by the hundreds, thousands. So I don't. What do you want people to do? Besides, you know what? Oh, some guy, some family buying a gun to protect themselves from one of Gascon's felons. That's not the person showing up at the school. What, what do you do with all the? They they don't, they don't want to talk about the mental illness here, the weird, sick obsessions, the influence of the internet, the negligent parents.
3: Oh, it's just evil. It's I'm happy, tired of hearing mental illness. These are um, evil people. Okay, well then you got it. Then,
1: then. Then take away their civil liberties. What is the harm of identifying someone as evil and putting them away? They're evil. They're not now, useful the, to society. Take them the, away as soon as you see some bad signs.
3: Take them away and do what? With Put them him in a mental institution and lock them up forever.
1: You Can't do until that until the well. You're going to let the evil out. Either evil is in or evil is locked up. Those are the two choices. Well, going to be <laughs> there isn't a third choice, is what I'm saying. If you identify evil, you have to lock the evil up. Nothing is going to magically turn that brain into goodness.
3: Whether there's thought evil and action evil. This guy is action evil because he shot people. Thought evil? I don't know yeah. how long you can keep but them away. Action evil always comes from thought evil. Right, but not all thought evil leads to action evil.
1: Okay, but what are we losing? You should see what people are thinking right Uh, now. Okay, but but shouldn't shouldn't we protect uh, the the innocent kids? The I may have
3: millions. You're going to have to lock up uh, if you go with thought evil. I I, I get it to the to the hilt. Nobody wants to make this millions.
1: I get it. Nobody wants to make this decision. Makes everybody uncomfortable to say out loud what we have to do. But that's the truth. Is that's what you have to do because we've heard this debate for decades now. Nobody's coming up with a new idea. There is no new idea. There's nothing you can do to stop this. Well, absolutely nothing, unless you take the person who's on the cusp of committing evil, grab him and lock him up before he actually shoots. And we got to school. get
3: people that see this crap on social media to report yeah, him. Nobody does. I mean, look what happened in Buffalo. People went into that little uh, group, 15 people, right, listened to his plan, <laughs> they did root, nothing. 30 they, minutes before the shooting, did they, nothing. They root him on. They ought to be arrested. They want to do it. Yes, there you go. Why don't, we, why don't we round
1: up all the all the eighteen year olds who are on that uh, on that Discord app to witness this? Let, let's start doing that. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, Deborah Mark has the news. KFI AM six forty. Hey Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money?
3: Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals. The most trusted name in gold investing.
1: Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market
3: volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's
1: guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com.
5: Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket.